I want to ask you to turn in your Bible today to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. Our theme today is Tremendous Truths from Judas. Tremendous Truths from Judas. As we come to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, and as we approach verse 47, Judas and the group that went to arrest Jesus enter the Garden of Gethsemane. It is on the Thursday evening before our Lord Jesus was crucified. And verse 47 says, And even as Jesus said this, that's referring to verse 46 where verse 46 says, Jesus is speaking up, let's be going, look, my betrayer is here. That's what Jesus said. And then verse 47, And even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. The traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed and gave him the kiss. Jesus said, My friend... Go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Then Jesus said to the crowd, Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there teaching every day. But this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scriptures. At that point... All the disciples deserted him and fled. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, dear God, please open up our minds and hearts to the tremendous truths that you want us to know, you want us to experience, to live out, to be moved by, to act upon from this passage of Scripture. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. My friends, this message, Tremendous Truths from Judas, is part two. And those of you who perhaps weren't here last Sunday, if you would like to hear part one, you can can go to our website, and the message outline from last Sunday is also in your program, in your bulletin there. And you can listen to last week's message through the website if you wish. But as we focus on this scripture now today... I want to invite you to, first of all, discover this very powerful truth with me. And it is this. The first truth is this. Be a helper and healer instead of a herter. A few of you might be wondering if the word herter is actually an official word. Those of you who are grammatically concerned, I want you to know that it is an official word. It is for real. 
and basically means one who hurts or does harm. It is a noun. When we see, when we see here how Jesus was a helper and healer instead of a herder, our hearts are moved. At least my heart is moved. And we see in verses 49 through 52 how he helped. Now, it doesn't tell us the specifics in these Bible verses that we just read. But elsewhere, we are told that Jesus touched. Jesus touched the servant's ear, whose ear was chopped off. And he healed that servant's ear. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verses 50 and 51, say this. They say, And one of them, that is one of the disciples, struck at the high priest's slave, sloshing off his ear. But Jesus said, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. And so once again, we see Jesus as the helper and the healer instead of the hurter. Even in this time when he is being badly hurt, hurt by Judas, hurt by the authorities who have gone to the Garden of Gethsemane to arrest him, we see Jesus the helper and the healer. Wow. Now some of you might be wondering, who was the disciple that took out his sword and wounded the servant of the high priest? The Gospel of John, chapter 18, verse 10, tells us that it was Peter. John 18, 10 says, Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. Obviously, we can all feel sorry for Malchus. On the one hand, I believe you and I admire Peter's courage. For it was a courageous act uh, on behalf of Peter to basically stand up for Jesus and, and what he thought he was doing was trying to defend Jesus. So we have to admire Peter's courage. At the same time, the fact that Jesus said to Peter, put away your sword, and the fact that Jesus touched Malchus's ear and healed him is a marvelous and powerful lesson, isn't it? Powerful lesson for you and me to be a helper and a healer instead of a hurter. This powerful lesson about us being a helper and healer applies to us as individuals and as a church family. For example, on a regular basis... We have people, we have people who phone our church or drop into the church asking for food. I want to thank the many of you who, who faithfully bring in food items, which enables us to take people to our church food pantry and say to them, please, please go ahead and choose the food that you need. Choose what can help you. And by the way, I, I have appreciated the unselfish spirit of many of the people who ask for food because sometimes after I have seen them choose their food items, I have said something like, I've said, you know, please, please feel free to take more. We want your needs to be met. And some people have said things like, Pastor, I don't want to take more than I need. Or Pastor, 
We want to make sure there's food for others who are needy as well. So I want to be careful I don't take too much. The bottom line is, my friends, thank you to those of you who bring in food so that we can help others on an ongoing basis with food. Now most of us in our church, most of the time, are probably okay in terms of food. But I'm going to tell you the following true story to help you better understand, to help you better comprehend that there are people that sometimes are in serious need. Sometimes it can be a family in our own church. Most times the families are from the community. Most of you know that this past February there was a national holiday on a Monday called Family Day. How many of you remember Family Day? It started a few years ago. Now, because it was an official holiday, my wife Cindy was off work and at home. I was trying to be a good husband. I was trying to be a good husband by spending Family Day with my wife, doing some things around the house, and hoping to have a romantic time as well. (laughs) Just being honest. Right? Now what you need to know is that when our church secretary is not in the office, the church phones are answered by a live answering service. Okay? The phones go to a a live answering service. On family day, our church answering service phoned me and, and said, Pastor, we have received an emergency phone call from a person that is desperate for food, or a family that is desperate for food. He has called several times, several times. Can you please respond? They gave me the phone number and the name, and so I called this dear family. As I spoke to this person, I asked questions, obviously, to find out what their situation was and what the need was. I listened to their story, during which time he told me that they had no money and no food, no transportation. He also told me that they had contacted uh, another organization near where they lived, and, and they were told that that they wouldn't be able to give them some food until Thursday. And this, of course, was Monday. It was only Monday. The caller also told me of how he was recovering from a major injury, couldn't get around very well, and had no car. Now, to be honest with you, maybe I shouldn't be telling you this, but to be honest with you, I didn't really want to leave the house because I was trying to be a good husband by spending family day with my wife. I also knew that if I left the house, I would probably be gone four to five hours. So therefore, I said to the caller, I said to the caller, can you, can you please wait until tomorrow and I'll bring you lots of food tomorrow, Tuesday? Well, he said, Pastor, 
We don't have any food today. He said, I had, he said, I had, I had to send my little boy back to his mother place, to his mother's place this morning because I didn't have any, anything to give my son for breakfast. I had to send him back to his mom's place, even though it was my turn to have my little boy stay with me. So, so what do you do? What do you do when someone tells you that? Well, I said to him, okay, you are obviously in real need. It is going to take me a, a little bit of time to gather up groceries for you. I should be able to get to your apartment in about one and a half to two hours. I put down the phone. I went over to my wife and I explained the urgent need for food by this dear family. My wife was very understanding. I gathered up some food items from our, our own house. And then I drove over to the church here to our food pantry where we stock all the food. I, I filled up two large boxes with a variety of foods plus another bag. <clears throat> I started to drive to the needy family's apartment about half an hour away. It was snowing. When I got to their apartment building, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't really suitable for me to just stop in the driveway and take the boxes of food in uh, because I was going to be blocking the driveway. And so, okay, I thought I'd, I better park in the visitor's parking lot. So I went over to the visitor's. The big sign said, pay or you're ticketed. So I went over to the little machine or big machine, you know, paid what I needed to, got the sticker, put it in my car so that I could legally park there. So then I uh, picked up the, the first box of food. It was snowing, by the way. It was snowing and there was snow on the ground so on. So I picked up the first box of food and as quickly as I could, I went to the main door and... Uh, Fortunately, as I got to the main door, a family was actually leaving the apartment building, and they kindly even held the door open for me. They saw I was, my hands were full, so I didn't even have to buzz. I didn't even have to buzz the family to whom I was taking the food to. So I, I got into the apartment, and there was a, a lovely main foyer entrance there, and so I, I thought, okay, I'll just put this big box on this table, and I'll go out and get the second box and the other bag and so on. So I ran outside. I ran outside back to my car in the visitor's parking spot, got the other big box. It was even a bigger box, plus the bag, <clears throat> locked up my car again, and then went back into the apartment building. Just as I got to the door, someone else was exiting. They let me in, and so once again, I didn't have to buzz the family upstairs. I entered the main foyer. I went over to the table where I put the first box. I went over to the table so that I could just put this other box down and kind of just rest my arms. I am strong, but, you know, I needed to rest my arms and back for a few moments before I could carry the food upstairs to their apartment. Uh, by the way, I, 
if you're wondering why I didn't buzz, I, I didn't buzz the family because, because he had told me of his severe leg injury and I didn't want him to feel like he was needing to carry these big boxes up to the apartment just to get the food. So anyway, so I went with a second box to the table in the foyer to just rest for a moment. And as I got to that table where I had put the first box, guess what I discovered? What? How did you know it was gone? I'm surprised. I'm surprised that... I'm surprised that you, you would guess that it was gone. I mean, if it was your computer, I could understand it being gone. If it was your iPad, I could understand it being gone. But the food was gone. Well, I, uh, I you know, I, I thought, you know, I, I know I put it here. And there's only one table. I, anyway, I, I quickly looked around in the corners. No, not there. Uh, quickly opened some doors. No, no, no. And then, and then I thought, oh, maybe, maybe the family to whom I'm taking this food, maybe, maybe they saw me come in. You know, a lot of these apartments have these cameras at the entranceways, and sometimes people watch on their um, TV. So I thought, well, maybe they, maybe they saw, they saw me bringing this food in, uh, recognized this guy with a suit and 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 a box, and thought, oh, that that must be Pastor Nick. He's carrying food up. Let you know, we'll go down and get the food, type of thing. So anyway, so I, I thought, well. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe they actually came and got the food, took it upstairs. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll just head up to take the second box in the other bag. Knocked on the door. I knocked on the door. I, I was invited in. And uh, the gentleman who answered was just thrilled, thrilled to see the food. Uh, delighted, to, delighted to see that there was some relief. Uh, but I immediately discovered that the first box of food was not in their apartment. But I did not, I did not tell him about the second box of food because I didn't want to discourage him. You know what I mean? I didn't want to get into the whole story of, hey, I actually had almost twice as much food for you, but it's gone, 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 gone. You know what I mean? Anyway, he, he asked if I could visit for a while, and, and so I obviously shared some time, shared some time in the apartment there, and listened to their story, listened to all the unfortunate things that had happened, and, um, and, then, and then I gave him some additional funds, a generous amount of funds on behalf of our church, and prayed with, prayed with the family. And uh, they, were, they were very, very grateful, very, very appreciative, of course. And so then I left. But as I left, uh, as I, left I, I, was kind of, I was kind of ticked off. Because I thought, where? I know I packed the second box. Where is that second box? I thought, okay, I'll go back to the main level. And I'll look around again. I went down to the main level, looked around, looked around. Then I thought, oh, maybe, maybe I'll go over to the management office because maybe the management people saw it and thought, hey, we better put it away before it disappears. I went over to the management office but discovered because it was family day, the management office was closed. So I continued to open doors looking for the second box. 
And obviously, I eventually came to the point where I said, okay, okay, it must have been stolen. It must have been stolen. Like I said, initially I was, I was disturbed. I was disturbed. And then as I left the apartment, as I left the apartment building, I said, Lord, Lord, there must have been a family in real, real need in order for someone to steal a box of groceries. Amen? I said, Lord, perhaps we were meant to help not only one family today, but two families, unexpectedly. And so, although initially I was bugged, I left that apartment building, smiling and saying, Lord, may you bless that family whoever it was that took that food, they must have really needed it. Now, my friends, the main reason, the main reason I told you that story is to help us better understand that sometimes there are people in our own church and city who are in great need. You and I And churches like ours can make a difference on an ongoing basis. Amen? Amen. As you live your life, as you live your life in your own immediate family, in your workplace, at school, at church, on the street on the street and community where you live. I want to ask you to constantly, constantly ask yourself this question. See it on the big screen. Let's constantly ask ourselves this question. How? Read it out loud with me. How can I bring help and healing instead of hurt? Say it again. How can I bring help and healing instead of hurt? In most situations, the easy thing to do is to bring hurt. The Jesus thing to do is to bring help and healing. With no intentions of gain, no intentions of profit, no intentions of you ever getting anything for it. But just do what you need to do because it's the what? It's the Jesus thing to do. Amen? Amen. So, that's the first truth I want us to embed in our minds and hearts today. Be a helper and healer instead of a hurter. Then there's a second truth that I believe can also bless you and help you. And it is this. Read it out loud from the big screen. 
Find strength and peace from knowing you are in the center of God's will for your life. Amen? This truth occurs to me when I read verses 52 through 56. Look at it again here, beginning at verse 52. Put away your sword, Jesus told him, as Jesus told Peter. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Then Jesus said to the crowd, Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there teaching every day. But this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scriptures. This is all happening to fulfill, to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scripture. My friends, I want you to notice, please, notice how Jesus had a sense of strength and peace even as he was being arrested and mistreated. Look at that verse 54 again. How would the scriptures be fulfilled to describe what must happen now? In the verse 56, this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets. My friends, these words tell us that Jesus knew that he was in the center of God the Father's will for his earthly life. And that is why Jesus had physical, emotional, and spiritual strength and peace. Most of you here know that some years ago I was diagnosed with a particular type of cancer which required major surgery. I am in no way a perfect person, as most of you know. I am in no way a perfect Christian. But I can honestly say to you that in the days after I was diagnosed with the cancer, I found strength and peace knowing I was in the center of God's will for my life. No matter what happened, I knew I was in the center of the Lord's will. Recently, when I was visiting a dear lady in a hospital, any of you would know her. When I was visiting this dear lady in a hospital who in recent years has gone through a lot of physical and emotional pain and several major operations recently. While she was laying in the hospital bed, she basically said to me something like this. She said, Pastor Nick, I don't know all the reasons why I have gone through all these hardships. I don't know all the reasons. But she said, I am at peace, however. I'm at peace knowing 
I am in the center of God's will for my life. And she smiled. Question. How can you know that you are in the center of God's will? How can you know? How can I know? Well, to begin with, ask God to forgive you for your sins. That's a great starting point. Ask God to forgive you for your sins. Will you seek forgiveness from the Lord today? And then also believe. Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. And the reason you and I can be forgiven is because Jesus paid the price for your sins when he was crucified on the cross of Calvary. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, read it from the big screen with me. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God showed his great love for us. Amen. By sending Christ to die for us. Will you start to believe? Will you start to believe that Jesus paid the price for your sins? We're talking about how you can know that you are in the center of God's will. And then also, pray. Pray and say, Lord, I want to do your will in my life. I want to do your will in my life. In the Bible, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2, it says... You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You see that verse on the screen? You will be anxious to do the will of God. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. Young person, I want to encourage you to be anxious to do the will of God. Pastor Lisa Autar is our wonderful associate minister here. Some of you have known her from when she was a very young teenager or child in our church. And some of you remember, remember how she came to that point where she said, Lord, I want to do your will. And for her, God's will meant going to Bible college, earning the theological degree, developing her skills as a minister, working on the Master of Divinity, which she graduated 
from, and now she's been working on her doctorate degree, doctor of ministry that she will finish this spring. The will of God may be different for all of us, but, but I want to encourage you young people to be anxious to do the will of God. Adults, older adults, whatever age we're at, the Lord wants you and me to be anxious, to be eager to do the will of God. Are you eager to do the Lord's will? I want to ask you to bow your head in prayer. And if this prayer expresses your heart's desire, would you pray it silently right after me, right where you are? Pray it right where you are, whether you are on the main level of the sanctuary or you're up in the balcony. Radio listeners, radio listeners, I want to encourage you, radio listeners, to also pray this prayer. Not because Pastor Nick Stavropoulos of Rosewood Church of the Nazarene is asking you to, but because it is a prayer that wants, that God wants to hear from all of us so that ultimately we put our life in the hands of the Lord. Amen? Would you bow your head? And pray this prayer if you haven't already done so. Dear God, forgive me. Forgive me for my sins. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. Lord, I want to do your will. I want your will in my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen.